Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Matchup Zone. Kevin Owens, uh, producer John Hunt with you today. Talking a little overseas basketball, talking a little BS, and uh, talking today with uh, John Corrales, who is a um, reporter, uh, covers the Boston Celtics uh, for multiple outlets. Um, he is uh, started with you know his own his own uh, podcast, Red Army or Red's Army, obviously uh, Red Arbacher. Uh, he also does the Locked on Celtics, uh, Locked on NBA podcast, and uh, works for WNYW in New York City, and uh, columnist for the Boston Celtics for Boston.com and uh, MassLive.com. So dude is uh, very into, uh, you know, in tune with what's going on in the uh, NBA world. And the cool thing was he uh, went to Emerson Emerson College, uh, graduated from Emerson, one of the best, or probably the best basketball player ever to go through Emerson, and the first one to ever play professional basketball, played a little bit in Greece. And uh, I really want to hit on that uh, today, because I feel like every single time I've like looked at a publication, read about him, done things, uh, and talked about this, uh, it's always like glazed over, and that's kind of what the meat and potatoes that I want to go through today. That sounds uh, like yeah. an awesome inter- interview. There's like so much to talk to. This guy's got some credentials, man. Oh, de- definitely. He's uh, he's he's big time. I met him a few years ago uh, at like a, and uh, he was cool, real cool, you know, big guy, like six eight. So like when I saw him, I was like expecting all these like small reporter blogger types, and he was like, I was like six ten, he's like six eight. I was like, wow, we should immediately be friends. So uh, he's he's gone on, you know really really successful so that's cool i want to kind of hear his story well before we get to that man i hear i hear we we got we got something what's up with the book oh yeah we got an update man we got a uh Uh, but it's like, I definitely look at it and I'm like, all right, so first, 
uh, chapters. I feel like it's like slow because I'm just trying to get to it. But once we start getting into like the actual professional basketball uh, stuff and the exposure camp, it really picks up. So if you're looking to read it, check it out. I'm still working on trying to mess with the first chapter a little bit, just in, gotcha. you know, to kind of get a little. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I was I was reading. Well, we had Dre on last week, and uh, and I got his book, and it's it's a nice, easy read, man. Like you, you don't have to like. I don't know. You know, you know how like with Game of Thrones, you got to like sit there and like watch every oh, yeah. single detail. Like I just it's, it, was, it was so relaxing to read. Uh, but his is like very motivational. But you were saying that yours is uh, like a lot. It's very anecdotal. And I feel oh, like, yeah, that's where our our, uh, our podcast has really hit a, a nice stride, especially early on when you and I started with uh, some of the stories from overseas, which uh, I think a lot of people are like dying to hear. Like, uh, what's it like to, exactly. to be over there? doing this thing like you know uh i know we we market ourselves to that overseas basketball thing but it also i think it's going out to a lot of future future overseas basketball and they're gonna say what's it like kev like what's it like to be over there like is it as crazy as we hear like or is it does it like to me all right from the outsider it's like this depends on where you're going like your experience in australia is going to be different than your experience in eastern europe right and it's like any other job like whatever if you're if you have obviously like a a job where, you know, you're around good people in a good environment and you're living in LA as opposed to living in like freaking like Nebraska or something like your job is going to be a little more, uh, you're going to enjoy it a little more. So it's a lot has to do with that, but yeah, that's like all uh, professional basketball, but they, I mean, I've been in like cool situations, like cool places and it's like sucked, you yeah. know, like you, you just, it's, it's comes and goes. Well, you but, think uh, it's going to be awesome. And you're like, Oh, Exactly. Like like <laughs> ridiculous money. And you're like, this is incredible. Like I'm going to make more than like, you know, my parents made like in 10 years in like six months. And you're like, holy shit, this is incredible. And then it's like the worst situation ever. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's, it comes and goes, but I do love the stories. And I, I want to talk to John because every single time that he uh, hops on something, it's like, they like talk about it and they're like, okay, so you play professional basketball. And he's like, yeah, he's like, and he said, like, every time I'm looking, it's like, so he smiles about it. So I'm like, man, I got to hit on that. So that's all, Well, he's, he's ready to go. You ready, Kev? I'm ready. Let's roll. All right, let's get John in here. All right. I think we're on with John. What's up, John? How are you? Hey, what's going on? Not good, much. Good to they see do. you again. It's been a it's been a long time. It's been a while, man. <laughs> I was just when I was introducing you, I was kind of talking about our. Uh, I think it was like blogs with balls. We were like hanging out, and it was the <laughs> first time I was like expecting just small, you know, bloggers everywhere. And I I was like, holy shit! Like this is awesome. Like <laughs> you're like me. Like this is great. <laughs> I can fit in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wild, man. It was. The, uh, yeah, blogging allowed, like, a lot of us to, like, make these transitions from, you know, a prior career and keep, keep like, talking about what we loved. It was it's very happy, like, we broke the mold of the perception of a blogger. It's very true, because, I mean, I know, you know, you've, you've taken huge risks in your career in terms of, uh, you know pursuing and pursuing and you're like you know wildly successful you're writing for multiple publications you know podcasting you are one of like the the people i follow when i want to hear nba news i actually wore my sixers shirt today uh just to kind of stoke the rivalry a little bit but uh i you like i follow you like i honestly when when we were playing you guys in the first round and i was like Oh shit! Like, what's gonna happen with Gordon Hayward? Like, is he gonna go back? Is he gonna have to quarantine? I was, I was actually like following you to see if you're updating like his wife, like the situation. I was like, if they lose him, it turns yeah. out it's an ankle injury. It doesn't really matter, and the Sixers suck. So it was fun. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. It's too bad that that series was what it was. That that would have been a lot more fun if we, uh, if if both teams had been fully healthy. Oh, I totally agree. It's it's fun. I mean, I love. I love reading your stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to see how successful you become and kind of like taking, like we were talking about taking that risk. Uh, we're leaving like a, you know, stable job and, and pursuing this uh, and, you know, you hit it big and it's, it's awesome. To, it's awesome to, to, for guys who are aspiring to do this, to kind of follow your footsteps. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <clears throat> um, it sounds cool, 
it was it feels like it was a pretty like dumb decision in some ways so i'm glad that it worked out it, a couple of things fell into place like timing wise was great but <clears throat> yeah that's like the jump off the cliff and hope you grow wings on the way down like halfway, halfway <laughs> down you're like oh shit i do the right thing here <laughs> So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I have that part of the story to tell. That's awesome. <laughs> not, and not be like, yeah, now I'm now I'm an intern on TV again, starting <laughs> from the So I mean, I feel like every single time that uh, I've read about you or uh, like you know watched video of you, it's always like people aren't really hitting on your career, and which is like you're so wildly successful. Emerson College, like best player to ever go through there first player to ever play professional basketball uh i mean do you feel like the absolute shit when you go back to emerson right now like where you just like walk in and everyone's like oh there he is yeah <laughs> no emerson's not a school where that's the um <laughs> that's the reaction um i have to reintroduce myself a lot <laughs> um no it's cool it's cool to go back it's cool um because i still live near near emerson um, so I'll go back to, I mean, not now, I don't know when they, they're going to be able to play or whatever, but in general, I'll go back and, and watch some games. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's, it's nice to be part of something. Um, because when, when I first got to Emerson, we were playing like the mass college of pharmacy. Like it was a joke of a program. And then, uh, Hank Smith came along. He was our coach, uh, and he he kind of changed things. He he changed the culture. He changed you know the types of players we were getting in. Um, and my junior year, we ended up becoming the most improved team in New England. Um, then we you know joined a, a conference. Unfortunately, my senior year, we lost in the championship game, but they won the championship the year after, um, which is a nice blow to the ego. Any kind of ego that I might have had, it's like, oh, once I leave, you win a championship. Great, thanks. Uh, but it was, you know, to, to look back now, and this uh, a season or two ago, they went to the uh, NCAA tournament for the mm -hmm. first time, and to know that I'm one of the few people that are the foundation of that kind of program, that really means a lot to me. Like I love building programs. I'm not, I'm not the the super team kind of guy which is, is fine, like, if, you know, players want to band together, but I'm, I feel like I, I'm more Jimmy Butler than mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, where I, as much as I'm sitting here and say, like, oh, Heat culture is, you know, overplayed and marketing and blah, 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 but if I were on the Miami Heat, I would be a million times into the Heat culture type of stuff, because that's what appeals to me. I'd rather take a team and be one of the building blocks of that team going from, not in the playoffs to contender. That that's always been how I want to do things. So I, I do have a lot of pride when it comes to Emerson, um, that that program becoming a legitimate program, um, and having other guys go pro after after me, um, having that be a, an option and guys realize that that's an option for them. That is awesome and. Thinking back on uh, my experience, I know Mammoth went to the tournament in 2001 when I was there and then, like, you know, went on a run the year after I left. So I definitely feel that uh, my dad always told me the same thing that you're saying, kind of like, you were a building block, like, you were the reason. And I was like, okay, thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> as he, as Mammoth went on a wildly successful, and I was like, ah, shit, that was so close. <laughs> Like you sit here and you say like I want to see something succeed after I leave, <laughs> but then something succeeds after you're leaving. You're like, well, you could have succeeded while I was there too. Exactly. That yeah. was also an option. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's cool. It's cool. That's so kind of uh, your your story too. You know, takes you to Greece uh, to play pro, pro basketball. And, uh, you know, I've read stuff where you said, you know, every time you think about it, it puts a smile on your face. I know injuries kind of derailed that. Yeah, uh, but kind of take us through your experience coming from Emerson to uh, go and play professionally. It was weird. Um, <clears throat> it was also like 1996, so it's a different time. Um, there's no like 
internet. It's not like my parents could live stream games or anything like that. Um, there's no, it, it was a small team. There's aside from the jerseys that I have, <clears throat> um, I don't really have a lot of like scrapbook stuff or anything like that. But so I graduate from Emerson and I think I'm done. Like there's no, there's no talk at that point of me continuing on. Um, but my coach reached out to me that summer and said, Hey, you know, I know an agent out there and uh, I'm going to put you in touch with him. So from the time, like from around like March when the season ends to like June, I'm thinking I'm just like a rec league guy now. Um, but then he gets, he gets in touch with me uh, and he, you know, puts me in touch with the agent. Uh, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, geez, I got to get back into shape <laughs> because I had just stopped. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Um, I did the typical basketball player thing where you're like, well, coach isn't telling me to run. Well, I'm not going to run anymore then. That's it. It's over. So I had like I had like a quick 15 pounds that I had to take off. <laughs> um, but but yeah, he uh, you know I got in touch with this agent. Uh, he found a team out there that that needed me, um, and I just went over there. It was like a quick thing. Um, I, I didn't go out and try out for for a lot of teams. I just had that one tryout, um, and they they signed me. But it was a small team. <clears throat> excuse me. It was a small team, um, and in those days, like, it, the way it's structured, you know the way it's structured, where it's, like, the A1, and then there's the B1, B2, um, and the, the teams, like, if you're – the best teams get promoted, the worst teams get relegated. So this, this team was a B1 team that had gotten relegated to B2 that year. Um, and uh, and you know this, if you get hurt or or whatever, like they there's they find ways to not pay you your full salary. Oh yeah. So, um, but I'm sure we'll get to that point later. Um, <laughs> when I when I got there, is a small town called Naplio, which was the the original uh, capital of Greece. Um, it's about a couple hours southwest of Athens. Um, to get to Athens, you have to take a really scary bus trip that drives too fast on a mountainside road that I felt like I was going to roll over and die, go down the hill like multiple times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a really nice town. It was, now I look at pictures of it and it's like tourists, crazy, um, much more modern than um, than it was when I was playing there. It was really cool because it was like it's not like playing in Boston or LA. It's it's like playing in a small town and everybody knows you and you walk around and it's the basketball player is just part of the fabric of it. It's not even like they look at you and like oh the basketball player. It's just like part of it, you know. So um, there was this one restaurant that we could go to and just sit down and eat and leave and, and you know we ate free so they knew me very well um and it was just yeah it was just really cool to go there and and, and experience that i love what you said uh about being part of it i think that's <clears throat> if you could if there's like a like a, a an ideal way to talk about like what it's like to be a basketball player overseas you're just part of it like you're not yeah. like you said it's not like the fans are obsessed and you go out in public and they're like, it's like, you know, if you saw LeBron at ShopRite, you are like, you know, a supermarket, people would be right. like, holy shit. But yeah. like, it's not like that. It's like you go shopping and they're like, hey, how are you? Like, how's, and just like talk yeah. to you like you're like a, a friend on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell you what you should be doing. <laughs> those, those, are, those are fun too. Yeah. 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 Hey, why don't you pass it to the, why don't you pass it over there? Okay. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I thought I, I thought I hit that shot, but okay, yeah, I'll pass it next time, buddy. It's basically <laughs> like a broken English. You not shoot? Why? Like, yeah. Oh my god. The funniest part is when I was at Emerson, I was always called the Greek, and when I get over to Greece, they call me the American. And I was like, identity crisis. Like, all right, 
I mean, part of why I was there, part of why I was able to, to, to play there is because my parents are Greek. Mm-hmm. They're from there. So they, I don't know if these are still the rules, but you're allowed two Americans on your team. Yep. Um, but I counted as a Greek. So they, they allowed, you know, that was, that was a little added appeal because you could still add two more Americans if they wanted to, which they didn't. I was the only one at that point, but could still if they wanted to. That's crazy uh, because I know my grandma was Belgian, um, but because like my, you know, my family history, like my family was, uh, my dad was adopted by my grandparents when he was a kid. Uh, although my grandma was Belgian because of that, like non bloodline, like they wouldn't let us have passports because my brother and I both applied for Belgian passports to have that same experience where you could, you know, play and you're just an, you're not an import. And that, that word import, obviously there's a lot more imports that are allowed on certain leagues. I think, you know, Italy has like, you know, six limit uh-huh. big time, like Greece, I think has it, but like, you know, with the smaller market teams, like they just don't have it. It's just not in the cards to pay six Americans, you know, six American salaries. So that was always a bonus. So that's really cool that you were able to go over and, uh, like have that experience of being yeah. like the Greek, like you said, the Greek American when you're really the American Greek. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I got into trouble like almost right away. That's always a good start to a story. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know why. All right. So we had a couple of days off. We had played a game. We had the weekend off and we we're back on Monday. Because you know the schedule over, overseas, you play one or two games a week. We didn't have another game until like that Wednesday or Thursday. So we had a couple of days off. So on that Saturday, some of the guys were like, hey, there's this club just outside of town. Let's go. I was like, shit, yeah, let's go. Let's go clubbing. Um, and it was this awesome like open air club. So you're just sitting there. It was, it was like that was the pro athlete experience. That was oh, yeah. like sitting in the back, sitting in the corner, getting a bottle of something, people coming up, wanting to talk to you, but you're like playing it cool. Um, and, you know, then you look up and you got like the stars and this big Greek sky. And it was like so awesome. And, and because you take your afternoon naps, you're up till three or four in the morning. Yep. That's, you know, that, that's the basketball lifestyle anyway. When you're mm-hmm. Basketball life is up till three or four in the morning. Um, even as a writer right now, I'm up till three in the morning on a game night because that's by the time I'm done writing and podcasting, that's when I'm done. So yeah. that was the life. So whatever. We went. It was a Saturday. I came home. Didn't do anything. I didn't I, No fight, no nothing. Sunday was a day off. Monday, we go into practice. I wasn't late. I wasn't hungover. I wasn't sick. But the coach was pissed that we were out. And it was, it was funny because he was like, blah, 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 all this Greek. And he was like, and then this guy, this guy, and the American over at the club, blah, 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 blah. And he was, I was like, what the hell? What, what did I do? I just went out and had a nice night. But he was pissed. He was like, we're trying to do something. And, you know, it looks bad when you're out. Like, so that's how, that's how my pro career started. It's so crazy because, I, I mean, the narrative of the uh, athlete has changed so much since then because, obviously, you know, covering, covering a professional sports team, you hear that a guy's out the night before a playoff game. You're going to be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, come on. Like, get it together. Yeah. But, like, don't, it's like a part of the culture. It's part of, like, you know, the, the world we live in. So it's funny to kind of be like, we don't play again for a long time. But I, you know, I've had experiences still the same thing, like where guys were just kind of like, why are you out? And you're like, we don't play for like six days. Like yeah. I can get my body back ready. Yeah, like, no? we're all good. We have to enjoy this. It's crazy. Some of those, some countries who are like all about it and some are just like, nope, you're not no. going anywhere. They, they were very upset about that, <laughs> which sucked because that was a great club. I would have liked to have gone back, but I only went that once. It's like, all right, I'll see you guys next week. And they'll be like, never mind. Just yeah, kidding. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Enjoyable part of my life that I can't enjoy. <laughs> so going back, I mean, I know uh, you, we're kind of getting into the, the, the bad side of professional, because I always, 
I feel like I always dwell on this and uh, people are like, dude, you, you had this great experience. And I'm like, I did. And, you know, played eight years and it's just like awesome and such great places. But I'm like, still, you're just like some places suck. And like, you know, the money. And like you said, like you get hurt and they're just shipping you out. Like I was in Korea, got hurt. Contract said they pay me the rest of the salary. They're like, sent me home. They're like, of course, of course, you get everything and we'll send you money. I get shipped out. I go home. I'm like, hey, uh, okay, so here's the MRI that shows my knees fucked up. And they're like, who? <laughs> Wrong number. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was, um, that, was, that was the worst part of it. Um, you know, <clears throat> I feel like I, like I love everything basketball gave me. And I would never <clears throat> take any of it back. Uh, there is a part of me that kind of wishes that I was that age now when I totally agree. there's more advanced med- medicine and people take it more seriously because a lot of like Emerson didn't even have a full-time trainer until my <clears throat> junior year. Um, my high school didn't have very good training facilities um, and this protein had none as well like you they they brought somebody in to give you a massage once a week um and that's that's basically it um it was wild now i think about it like just a bunch of guys sitting there like lining up smoking their cigarettes waiting to go <laughs> have a massage uh smoking very big oh, back yeah. then in greece still big in greece but um yeah when i got hurt it, there wasn't a lot of like advanced medicine so the first thing that happened to me is i tore a quad i tore my left quad um which sucked (laughs) that hurt um and i tried to come back too fast from it i ended up hurting my back Mm. i'm trying to compensate for the left leg hurting and that's my dominant leg i'm right i'm I'm, I'm right-handed so that's my jumping leg um and then i end up hurting my back and that's that's what derailed me um, and I had in college had gone through some injuries too. I still have a chronic patellar tendonitis thing that, that, that bugs me if I don't manage it. So that's why I only played that one season because the, the injuries, I was just done. And if they weren't going to pay me, then what the hell was I doing there? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to stay there in rehab. And if I can't, if I can't rehab there, then I'm not going to be able to try out for another team. Exactly. And I was just, I basically looked at my career at that point, and I don't know if this was the right decision or not, but I said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to get rich off of this. This is, this is okay money. And you know, they're paying for me. They're paying for my housing. They're paying for my food. So I only need some spending money. So it's not, it's not going to, you know, it's not a big deal, but I'm also not in the NBA. I'm not going to, parlay this into anything in the NBA. I knew where I was as a basketball player. Like that was as high as I was going to go. I think the injuries just mentally knocked me down to a point where I was like, why am I going to kill myself to, to just do this? Let me just go home and start my broadcasting career. Um, so that's the decision that I made. Uh, but I, I, if they had better facilities, maybe I could have, if they had an actual trainer and an actual doctor that could have looked at what I was doing and, and gotten me healthier and, and had me train specifically to, to deal with those injuries, then maybe I would have made a different decision. And now looking back on it, you know, living in Greece and playing basketball, is not, is really not the worst thing. I could have delayed my other career a little bit, but also like part of, part of what they weren't doing paying me was I had worked out a deal where they were supposed to wire money back to my mom. Yeah. And so part of me doing this was taking care of my mom who needed some extra help and they weren't doing that. And I found out they weren't doing that. And that, that really pissed me off. Yeah. Because like, like I said, I was eating for free. I was living for free. I didn't really need much out mm-hmm. there. Everything was pretty much taken care of. 
Uh, I didn't need a car because I lived two blocks from the, the facility. Everybody was really nice. If I ever needed anything, I could get it. But when I found out that they weren't sending back money back home to my mom, then I was like, well, now, now I'm really not achieving what I want to achieve here. So like, you know, that, that played a role into, into my decision to leave as well. That's a, that's a crazy story. And I mean, obviously uh, those decisions, I always think like NBA players, it's, it's tough for an NBA player to leave their sport with regret. I think, you know, you're in the NBA, like some guys can be like, well, I wish like Barkley, I wish I beat Jordan in the championship. Some guys can always say that, but you know, you're in the highest level of basketball ever. I always think there's always some level of regret or could I have done this different? Or, you know, if I played in this era, like overseas, I think that's like the biggest, uh, everyone I talk to, we always, I, I say the same thing. Like if I did this, if I didn't go here, if I didn't go here, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Cause I feel like that's one common uh, denominator amongst overseas basketball players is we're all kind of like, you know, if I had, could I have, what I have, yeah. uh, you're kind of like some of those guys in the cusp of playing, being that 15th guy or 12th guy in the NBA roster. You're like, uh, could I, could I? Yeah. I think I it's think, a lot of regret. I, I, I think, well, because we all, we all want, we're all competitors, first of all. Yeah. So we all want to go out on our own terms. Like we all want to go out by, by saying like, hey, you know, I got, you know, I, I, I was the best or I, like I was like, you, you don't want it to be something that forces you to make that decision. You yeah. want it to be like, you know what? Ah, I've done everything I can. I'm done. I'm good. Um, and I can say that. I, I certainly can say that. You know, when I was in high school, my first three years in high school, I was terrible. My freshman year in high school, I was absolutely the worst basketball player on the planet like i couldn't i I couldn't make a layup left-handed layup was like when they when they told me trying to do a left-handed layup i'm like what am i an acrobat like what are you left-handed what are you asking me (laughs) yeah um so i have to make sure that i shout out roger berard who was my high school coach who at that point i was six three and six three in Pawtucket, rhode island was like a giant and he was like you can't coach height i'm gonna keep you around um, and we're going to make you a basketball player. And he took me and made me a basketball player. My, my freshman and sophomore years, I was terrible. My junior year, I was finally like coming off the bench and contributing to the varsity team. And then my senior year, all of a sudden I averaged like 25 and 13. Like it was just like, boom. Uh, but he like, he had connections at Providence College, and he brought in, like, Yasek Duda, who was their center back then. And he had him come in and play against me in practice and just swat my shit all over the gym so I could see, like, that's the level you need to, like, get to. Yeah. Um, and he had me watching all of the Kevin McHale and Akeem Olajuwon and um, all of the low post stuff, and he got me playing on the post. And, you know, we developed a jump shot and, and all of that. So to go from – that basically my senior year when I first was like good to six years later, cause I took a year off in college professional basketball player mm-hmm. was like, like I do have a real sense of pride in that because I worked my ass off to get there. Um, I always joke, like basically I was the blues mobile. Like it, got me it wasn't pretty all the time it i put it through hell i put my body through hell and then right at the end it all fell apart it just all just disintegrated um i think if i tried to continue playing basketball okay i would have rehabbed the the torn quad my back issues were fixed what was the next thing there would there would have been a next thing my body was just like toast um so i can say without regret that I got everything I could out of my body, that I, I got to a higher level than I ever, ever would have dreamed. But you're right. At the same time, I did want more. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to go there and be, like, the star player. You know, I, I was used to being a star player. 
And to go there and not be a star player and to, to have that because of the injuries, like not be able to grow into that role. Because, you know, I played primarily on the post mm. and I would flash in college. So I, I had a mid-range game, but I wasn't as much of a face-up player. In Greece, I needed to be more of a face-up player. So I really was looking forward to developing that part of my game. And, you know, by the time I was 26, 27, when you hit your actual athletic prime, yeah. and I was playing in rec leagues, all of a sudden I figured it out, and I was starting to run, like, the point in, in my rec leagues. And I'm like, shit, where was this three years ago? I could have <laughs> used this, these skills. But so I, I do have, like, that regret of, like, I didn't get to develop that part of my game i didn't get to develop and and go out on my own terms in that way to to say like yeah i i it was another challenge in greece to go from a guy that was coming off the bench and and earn a starting spot and become a guy that was like hey you know he went from a center in high school to a power forward in college to a small forward in greece and you know continuing to evolve his game like that that really would have been something that I, I was I was hoping for would have been something that I um, would have been able to 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 love to say that I, I did that at that high level mm -hmm. I think uh, your story is fascinating I mean it's it's I kind of was in a similar didn't really play sporadically junior year started senior year exploded and uh, because I feel like because my brother was such a good prospect and played at UPenn I was like, teams were, were offering me scholarships and they're like, we're taking a chance. Like we've seen what his brother can do. He's just a, a year or two behind. And I think that's like, you kind of look at like similar stories and just like, sometimes there's like that little barrier and sometimes there's that little like gift and things like that. And I think it just kind of occurs throughout your, your careers. Like, you know, sometimes I might get a gift. Sometimes I might have a barrier. And uh, I love the, the, the hard work though, because that's just about what it's all about. I mean, you you went through uh you know push your push yourself to to get the professional basketball and I feel like there's a lot of guys who just kind of you know they're like pissed that they're playing overseas they're like I should be playing here and I like to hear the stories of like guys who are like listen I busted my ass and I worked my ass off and I got to play overseas basketball so that's a really cool story John that's like awesome to hear thanks man yeah man you know I I'm sure if I was better. I might have like that other feeling, <laughs> you know, but that's, there are a bunch of different kinds of basketball players. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there, there are guys who probably should be pissed that they're playing overseas, mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is the thing about like the NBA, you know, there's 450 or so players. There are more than 450 players that are good enough to be in the NBA. Yep. And that's just, it's such an exclusive club that there are some guys who are better than NBA players, and they, they, they may never get the shot to play in the NBA. So I do understand how some of those guys might be pissed that they're relegated to, you know, playing in Spain. But at the same time, enjoy the fact that you're getting to play basketball and you're doing so in a beautiful country like Spain. You know, like, it's – when you're so close to the dream, because that's still the dream yeah. for everybody, like, I, I still have actual literal dreams that – I'm on the Boston Celtics, um, but that's the NBA dream. Like every basketball player dreams of that, that moment. Um, and when you're that close, I can see, I can see some resentment, but mm. I never, I was never, ever, ever close to that. And I knew it. Um, I never, I never had any um, wild dreams of, you know, grandeur. Um, I knew who I was as a basketball player. So Yes, I was lucky to be able to get that overseas experience. So going into now your career now, obviously covering the Celtics, uh, do you ever get to come across those kind of experiences where a guy, you know, paid his dues, you know, D-League, uh, you know, maybe overseas and finally made it, uh, and you kind of get to see those reactions firsthand? Is that like experience you've had, you know, being the covering the, the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, they have Brad Wanamaker, who is... Mm, that's a great one. You know, he's, yeah. he's you know, went overseas um, for a while and was really good. He was mm -hmm. really good overseas. And it's really, like, you. I think he's a great example of a lot of different things. 
I think maybe the biggest is how good you really need to be to be in the NBA because he was really good. I think he was playing in Germany. Um, he was really good. Like he was, he was a finals MVP. He was like an all-star. Like he was a really, really good basketball player. And then he comes over here and he's like, Oh yeah, he's okay. He's okay. <laughs> you know, a DNP is not unusual, but like a decent performance. Like, okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like, um, but he's, he's good enough. He's one of those guys that's good enough to be in the NBA. Yeah. But right now when this season ends, we don't know what his situation is going to be. He, the Celtics could make him a qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent. Should they do that? Probably not. Um, which would make him an unrestricted free agent. And he's proven that he's good enough to stick in the league, mm-hmm. but he's also proven that he's not indispensable. So if teams don't necessarily have a role for him, he's sitting there looking at maybe going back overseas. And that's like, that, that's going to be tough for him to, to be here for a couple of years and then like have to go back and, and look for one of those opportunities. Um, he's, he's another one of those guys that's worked really, really hard. And um, you can see that he appreciates this moment that he appreciates what he has. Um, and he really appreciates being around his family and, um, and just, he's not somebody that takes this for granted, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially because he knows that he could, he might have to go back to Germany or wherever um, to finish out his career. I mean, he's, he's in his thirties now, he's 31, 32, mm-hmm. something like that. So I'm sure he wants to stick around and make some NBA money, but you know, and I'm sure he wants to stick around and, and keep his family here. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's from Philly. So yeah. I'm sure he wants to like, he'd, he'd love to, I'm sure he'd probably love to go back to Philly, <laughs> you know, and play for the hometown team. Uh, but you know, when I say that and you're like, you're wearing your Philadelphia shirt, like what does the thought of Brad Wanamaker on the team do to you? You probably like, shrug like eh. yeah it's true okay. like yeah. a james ennis and you're kind of like a guy like that who played and you're just kind of like okay you know yeah he's, he's okay. good okay he'll come in and hit a shot off the bench and you know right. but it's he's not, okay yeah <laughs> well it's crazy because wanamaker didn't he start uh wasn't he starting in the uh when the sixers and Celtics series didn't someone wasn't someone hurt and he was like a game i remember being Did like start I know he was playing a lot. I was like, man, this guy. No, like, he didn't, he didn't start any of the games, but he, he was like, he came off the bench um, and played a lot of minutes. He had, he had yeah. a couple of really good games where he played big minutes. Yeah. That's but, like, it's like crazy. Like you, you, you're saying like, you, you, the, and I think that's like the NBA. And I, I try to tell kids, like when I work with kids, I'm like, you know, you're saying 450 guys, uh, about like on an NBA roster, give or, give or take, you know, injuries and stuff like that. And then you have, uh, it's like all these guys overseas and you, it's like, it's crazy the demand because on top of that, you get 60 guys every single year who are getting drafted. And so like the, at least one of those spots is going to be filled by that. It's like, it's just so much motion, uh, that like staying in the league, being a guy, being a guy like a watermaker who stays in the league, like even like a Mike Scott, like he just kind of stays in the league and just stays there. That's like a, an accomplishment in itself to not be a superstar, but be a guy who just fills a role every single year yeah. and can make it for all of these years on an NBA roster is like incredible to me. I mean, you're right because we say 450 spots, but so many of those spots are, you know, the guys that, you know, the starting fives are mm-hmm. all coming back for the most part, you know, yeah. only a few guys retire a year um, and every year is that new crop. So yeah, it's, it's very easy. And that, and that's the, the Wanamaker story. Like right now the Celtics have a roster crunch looming. So if they want to be a championship team, they're going to have to open up some spots. They're going to have to get some championship level players in there and, Unfortunately, the timing is that Wanamaker's contract is up right now. And so if 
if he had signed his contract, you know, a year later, he'd, no problem. And maybe he'd find a niche on a championship team. Mm-hmm. But it's the Celtics have three, three, four draft picks that they may have to make. Um, and if they have to make all four of those picks, then there's certainly a roster crunch. Yeah. Um, so the, the guys like Wanamaker are always hanging by a thread. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of Damocles is hanging over their head uh, just forever because you, you have to – your mistakes are magnified. When you come in, if you're turning the ball over a bunch, then your usefulness is – you know, it drops. If you're not making shots, if you're not defending, like you have to come in and play your absolute best with absolutely no margin for error or else the team will be like, well, discard you scrap heap and, mm-hmm. and your NBA dream is done. Um, it's not like Jason Tatum who can have the season that he had, but people forget like in the first part of the season, he was, he was blowing layups left and right. Like yeah. he missed a ton of layups. Uh, in October, November, December, to the point where like, he, he said he stood in front of us in the locker room like, man, I suck right now. Brad Wanamaker does not have the luxury of being able to say, I suck right now. Yeah. He has to be good. And um, that's a lot of pressure on a guy. And, and you know it. Anybody who's played the game knows it. If you can't handle that level of pressure, if you let it get to your head, Mm-hmm. then you start thinking when you're shooting and you're not shooting. You start thinking on the floor, and the second you start thinking on the floor and doubting yourself, you are toast, and you can spiral really quickly. So I have a lot of respect for guys at that level, the Wanamaker types, because I know how tenuous their position in the league really is. Mm-hmm. And to go out there and perform well, find a role, play that role, is is remarkable more remarkable than any fan really realizes i totally agree uh the great point the superstars get a pass almost i mean they can they can play like i i just know the jason tatum situation because i had him on fantasy this year and he was like okay and i was looking to trade him and then you know right before the bubble burst or like you know before like everything went up he was killing it and i was like finally like started rising in the rankings i'm like why am i doing so well i was like oh shit jason tatum's averaging like a triple double every night yeah like he snapped like things snapped into place that's that's the luxury you get that you get to figure it out some guys you get to coast some guys you you get to have your four for 22 shooting night that's just because you know that first of all he knows his position is fine like he's not going to get benched he's going to get cut and you know and the team lets lets those guys figure it out that's that's just how it is. It's, not everybody has that level of skill. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why Brad Wanamaker is in the position that he's in. He doesn't have Jason Tatum's level of skill when you have, it, and that applies to everybody. Yeah. You know, like it, there are certain sports writers that you're going to have a bad column every once in a while. Um, but they're so good that they get a pass. And there are some writers who are, if you, if you're not bringing it, all the time, you, you're going to get cut just like a basketball player game. You'll get fired, and you'll have to find something else to do. Wow. Um, so that applies across the board. So, so yeah, the, star, the stars in every industry everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is like – see, this is – I feel like uh, – John and I talk about this a lot. I feel like we start the show, and I'm like, okay, let's talk over all overseas basketball. We end up – almost like transfer transferring to uh like what happens after basketball and i always because i'm like obsessed with uh what happens like in that transition from you know professional basketball into like life and that's like always been something that i've i like wrote about it i talk about it a lot because there, there's the stories like look at delante west i mean yeah like what Mark Cuban's doing to help him out. But like you have that story and then you have a story of, you know, guys who were in big business and made the right moves and suddenly are, you know, making more money doing this and than ever. Like a, even like a Jordan, like Jordan's making more money off his sneakers than he ever made playing. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, no, no, I, you know, the, 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 I look at basketball as, 
like a microcosm of life. Like everything, and, and this is why, like, I, I, I love the game. A lot of people say they love basketball, and, it's, and I love it, but I love the game for so many different reasons. Um, and it's because of what basketball did for me. It's not that I just love the game and I love the nuance of, you know, the different types of screens that you're setting and, and you know, the different adjustments that you're making in the series and all of that stuff. That's all great. I love the athleticism and all of that stuff. But I love basketball for what it, the person that it made me become, the person that I've grown into, the lessons that it's, it's taught me that translate into life. Like, understanding the work that you need to do, understanding that sometimes you need to be a good teammate. Sometimes you need to be in charge. Sometimes you need to be the captain. Sometimes you need to let somebody else take the reins. And, you know, when somebody's, when somebody's hot, you feed that hot hand. And when you lose, how to lose. Maybe one of the best lessons that basketball has taught me is how to lose. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to lose in life, you're just going to lose. And how do you lose? How do you take the lessons from that? Did you give everything that you could? And did you just get beat by somebody? And sometimes you have to accept like, I worked my ass off. I played this guy as hard as I could. The buzzer sounded, I am drained. And the scoreboard says they won. And you're like, shit. But I can leave the floor and say, he was better than me. All right, now, how do I become better than him? Or did I do something wrong? Did I have a bad game? And, you know, do I have to look at myself and say, I've made these mistakes. I have to correct these mistakes. And I owe it to the people around me to say, to own up to, like, hey, this, was, this one's on me. Like, I owe my teammates. And now I owe my coworkers like, Hey, you know what? I screwed up. This is my fault. You know, I'll be better. Um, those, those lessons, those, those things that translate to life. That's why I love basketball. And that's why I love the experience that I had, even though the, the stuff that we talked about before the regret and all of that, that's all part of it. That's mm -hmm. all part of it. And that's part of the journey and part of the life and part of the experience. So when we talk about things like what happens after basketball, like, I, I almost don't even see it as after basketball. It's still all basketball to me. That's why I'll, I'll forever say that I'm a basketball player because this mm -hmm. is all still basketball to me. I totally agree. And kind of jumping into that, uh, into my final question, which is, you know, you're a sneakerhead. You, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you know sneakers. I'm 40 years old and I love, I like rock. I have like Kobe's, I have Jordan's. Like I still rock sneakers. Yeah. All the time. I always wondered because like I looked I looked at a website and they're like, when should what do you dress like when you're 40? And like they're like, no longer wear sneakers. And I'm like, F that. Yeah, no way, man. So I was wondering, you know, you're a sneakerhead, like, am I good wearing continuing wearing my Jordans, continuing wearing all those for as long as I wish? Absolutely. I look, I'm 47. So <laughs> I still wear my sneakers. So I'm certainly not gonna tell you to not wear yours. Um <laughs> Maybe, maybe some of what I wear has to evolve, but you know, the sneakers, I'll still wear the sneakers, man. Mm -hmm. I love like, I, I, what I don't do anymore is I don't chase the drops. Like, yeah. you know, whatever. If I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not buying into like the hype as, as much anymore. I, I like what I like. And basically I can, I can live with a, a closet full of, uh, ones 11s some air force ones yep um so the staples but uh i, I probably have like 10 different jordan one colorways in yep. my in my closet <laughs> um and you just you mix those in with with whatever you're wearing and you're good man you're good All right. don't don't ever <laughs> ever let anybody tell you not where to not wear your kicks man that's you earned the right you earned the right to wear those kicks put in the blood sweat and tears i feel like that's what i always say like i'm just like 
I'm always, like you were talking about, I'm always going to be a basketball player. It's how I'm going to be identified with uh, even as I age uh, and I'm done with basketball. Even though I'm you still, you know, obviously involved in coaching and stuff like that, but I'm always going to be a basketball player. So I'm always going to dress like a basketball player. I'm always going to keep the roots of how I dress when I play basketball into my wardrobe. So I love, you know, hearing you say like, once you're a basketball player, you're always going to be, it's never yeah. going to just feed from your existence. And that was really cool to hear. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm around the NBA a lot, obviously, because it's my job. Um, I, I know that all of us who have played and played at a high level, the, the difference between us and the NBA players is just fast twitch muscles, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> God given ability. And, you know, I, I worked just as hard as any basketball player has ever worked. And you probably did too. And a lot of it, you don't, you don't reach any level of professional basketball without putting in that work. I just didn't have like, my vertical was okay, but it wasn't 40 inches. It was like <laughs> about 30. <laughs> my, I could run the 40 pretty quickly, but I couldn't run it as fast as these guys. Like, the one common thread between all of us is that we put in the work. Now, those guys, Jason Tatum puts in the work, and he becomes an NBA player. Uh-huh. I put in the work, and I become a, a low-level player in Greece. But it doesn't mean that I didn't put in the same work. I put in that work. And that's, that's what when basketball players, this is like a fraternity of ours. Mm-hmm. Because we know what it takes. We know the double sessions. We know getting into the weight room when you do not want to lift those weights. We know getting up those shots when somebody's waiting for you and you're like, I got, I got to finish. I got to finish on 10 makes. I can't, I can't leave the court without making those 10 makes, you know, and still something that, that I think binds us all. If I know that you were a basketball player and I know that you reached any sort of level, I know that you put in the work and that tells me a lot about you just, just knowing that you did it. And so um, I think that there's, there's a bond there that, that we all have and that we all understand. So that's why we get to continue to call ourselves basketball players <laughs> because we put in that work. And I think we earned it. I love it, John. This is awesome. This is such a fun interview. Uh, it was so fun sitting down talking with you uh, when all this, craziness comes uh, ends and you know you're ever in philly uh we ought to get together grab a beer yeah, and uh, man. catch up it's awesome hearing hearing your voice just it's inspiring stuff and i love you know just the, the passion for basketball it's awesome thanks man yeah for sure next time i'm in philly i'll let you know absolutely great talking to you john you too man thanks man bye all right so uh awesome awesome stuff tonight uh joined uh by john you know John, it's so funny because John, I'll like look up at at you a few times and like, like you had said before, like I feel like you're, you know, you're you love basketball. Like obviously you had it in your family, but it wasn't like this passion. And now you're kind of like looking at it and seeing all these stories. And I almost look. I looked at you at one point, and you're just like, it seemed like I could just see you, just like holy shit. Like it was. Yeah. It's like pretty cool to to kind of get that experience. Uh, to hear all these crazy stories because it's like it's it is like I think uh, John said it's like a fraternity. Yeah, you know it's it's like I always feel a little bit on the outside looking in, but then you guys always like we've said with this podcast, it always gets brought back to that philosophical like <laughs> where are we in life? You know, like as John was saying, you know, some people just they want it, but they don't want to work hard. Yeah, and I just see that all the time in my life, my personal life, and my professional life, like. Like some people don't want to work hard, uh, but if you want something and I'm all, I'm all jacked up still on, on Dre's book last week or whatever. Like, I'm just like, bust your ass. If you want something, you go out and you, you get it. You, you make your life better yourself. You don't just say you want it. You got it. You got to go do it. And that's something you know, like, you know, as John saying certain things, I'm like, yeah, I say that to my son. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to be hard workers. If they do anything, I don't, you know, like, yeah, I want them to be able to read and, and add some stuff together or whatever. But I just want them to have a drive. I just want them yeah. to, to do something. I don't care what they do. Just do something. Yeah. It's fun hearing the passion of just like sports. It's just the passion of life. Yeah. I think this podcast is really fun. Um, we love doing it. 
uh, everyone, thank you guys for listening and, uh, you know, continuing to uh, be there and uh, support us in this podcast. And uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. And uh, yeah, we're, 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 I, feel, I do feel like, I feel like it's just like, it's like life, like motivating to kind of sit down and hear these stories. that makes you a better person. Absolutely. Uh, so I think I'm getting anyone can sit down and listen to this podcast. You know, like, like I said, yeah. I'm not an overseas basketball player. I, you know, I was a baseball player in high school and then became musician or whatever, but I think anyone can get something out of it, man. I love it. Well, as always, uh, DJ John Hunt, thank you. you got, thank you so much. You rock. Uh, putting this all together again. Uh, most people don't know that John is actually the fabric with holding this whole <laughs> podcast together. <laughs> I like literally we'll talk to each other a lot during the week, uh, work together, and uh, then we just kind of pop on. And it's like I just literally at 11:50 I pop on and boom, here I am. Like I'm just I'm ready to go. And John has set everything up, done all the the legwork. So great job, John. I appreciate it, man. It's awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening this week. Uh, thanks to John uh, Corrales for hopping on and talking, uh, telling us his story. And uh, thank you guys all for being here and uh, keeping on tuning in. We'll uh, keep this going. We'll see you guys next week. And